Hello, welcome to this episode of the Spark Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Sakas, and today we're talking about distributed energy resources and determining their value. A Utility Dive article inspired this conversation on how the energy industry is facing challenges identifying the value of these resources. We're going to dive deeper into this topic with two of our experts here today, Megan Kelly and Matt Robeson, to share ICF's perspectives on their value and where things are going. So let's get started. Megan, I'd like to start with you. Can you give a real quick overview of what the article was about? Sure, yeah. The, the article gives readers a, a really good look at the current state of locational value, uh, which has been a pretty hot topic in the electric sector in the last couple years. And from, from a high level, um, it, it's essentially a review of, of the hard work that uh, different states and policymakers are, are putting in on locational value. And it's more than just New York and California now. So it's clear that, that efforts are increasing across the country in terms of work to develop tariffs that incorporate locational value, uh, work to design utility programs that guide DER deployment with locational value, and also work to try out newer stuff like non-wires alternatives. I think the, the problem that the article points out is that states haven't quite settled yet on a, on a good, consistent way to express locational value or to turn it into non-wires alternatives. So Matt, for our listeners, can we just pause a second and explain what's meant here by locational value and non-wires alternatives? Sure, absolutely. So uh, the idea with locational value is that resources on the system can be more or less valuable depending on where they are and when they're operating. Uh, and there's been a version of this at the wholesale level for a while in organized markets that use locational marginal pricing. But in the past few years at the distribution level, as we've seen really massive growth in a number of markets for resources like solar and energy efficiency and demand response, there's been sort of this commensurate growth in interest uh, in, in understanding how much value those kinds of resources are providing to the system by being at the right place at the right time. Does it really make a big dis difference where resources are? Well, it, it can. Um, it, you know, some of those differences can be pretty substantial. We did a study, uh, and I think we did a paper on this uh, about a year ago, about our work with one utility, just as an example, that, that showed that the locational value of energy efficiency on one distribution feeder was about 140% higher than the value on another one. So when we talk about locational value, we're talking about that kind of analysis of how resource outputs are matching local needs. And one of the things that you can use locational value to do is what Megan was just referring to and, and design better tariffs. Great, and what about NWA? Uh, right, so NWA, non-wires alternatives, sometimes called non-wires solutions. Uh, what we mean by that is when utilities target their programs or procurement of distributed energy resources, again, things like solar, batteries, energy efficiency, demand response, they target those resources to meet local grid needs instead of more traditional poles and wire solutions. In other words, we're referring to concentrating resources in order to avoid the need to build more distribution capacity. So we're trying to get how utilities identify the need and opportunity for investments on the distributed grid. 
based on specific locations. Got it. Megan, what are some of the main takeaways you got from the article? Well, one of the things that, just in reading it for myself, uh, that I thought was kind of clever or helpful framing was this distinction around how you can think about some of the issues surrounding locational value. It's a, it's a pretty big topic, and, and the article talked about um, two ways, kind of planning on the one hand and, and compensation on the other. And, and so on the planning side, the locational value issue, issues are more about finding and forecasting locations where uh, distributed energy resources are going to be cost-effective alternatives to traditional ones, and that encompasses all kinds of interesting work around distribution-level planning and integrating that with uh, other planning processes to accommodate DERs on the system. That's more the focus Matt was talking about around NWA, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or at least to use locational value to think about how to get resources to the right places and times to create value. That, that's the planning part. Um, on the compensation side, it's more about trying to find approaches that do a better job um, than, say, traditional net metering is doing or has done. And there's lots of different policy options and tariff structures that states are trying out to better align compensation for DERs with, with the value they create. So I, I think um, that distinction between planning and compensation might not have been the main uh, theme for everybody, but I thought it was kind of a, a simplifying way to recognize that you can approach the locational value topic from a lot of different angles, and it can be kind of a bridge between distribution system planning on the one hand and solar compensation efforts um, on the other, and, and we might start to see these come closer together. Matt, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway? Well, first of all, I totally agree with Megan's framing of, of those two issues here. I think that's a really useful way to think about this. They're two related, but somewhat distinct set of issues. Um, but with that in mind, my biggest takeaway was that the article's identifying that it seems like we've encountered a lot more challenges in both of those threads to date than we might have anticipated a few years ago, both in terms of using locational value for planning uh, and for compensation and tariffs to replace net energy metering, which is a lot of what Megan's been working on. Matt, quick description of what you mean by net energy metering. Uh, sure. Um, so net energy metering, NEM, um, it's the predominant approach in most states uh, for valuing and compensating distributed generation, usually solar. So it's, it's, it's a tariff that basically says um, that you can uh, get compensated for your generation uh, at about the same rate or the exact same rate um, as you would pay to consume that electricity. Uh, so in most cases, NEM rates are the same as retail consumption rates. Um, now, that assumption that there's an equivalence there is something that's been open to a lot of debate, but um, that's the way most states have gone initially uh, as, a, as a policy around compensating those resources. So, Megan, Matt referenced states uh, utilizing net energy metering a lot in the past. Uh, are they looking to do new things now? Yeah, well, I mean, I think states are, uh, they're definitely looking to do uh, new things. They're searching and they're trying all kinds of, of different approaches. 
Um, a lot of states have landed somewhere around the idea that NEM was an effective strategy um, for, for boosting the market for distributed solar, but things are, are starting to change. Can you describe those changes? Well, um, net metering was really widely adopted um, when technology costs were higher and solar penetration was lower. And so this was a policy approach that was a really simple and effective way to, to get some solar deployed. And now we're starting to see higher penetrations and lower costs and, and some noticeable effects on the grid. And um, that kind of leads to some recognition that a new kind of of tariff, like a comp that is more precise, or some other method of, of guiding deployment in a way that optimizes the system is something that, that's worth pursuing. So um, a lot of states start by conducting cost-benefit studies um, on the impacts of net metering or um, exploring value of solar tariffs, um, and then they end up using these studies to form the basis um, the, the analytical justification for a path forward beyond NEM. Um, so we recently uh, did an in-depth review of a whole bunch of, of the most recent of these studies, and uh, I think that gave us a pretty good window into some of the different approaches that, that states are trying. All right, I see. So as a result of studying the value proposition, uh, it sounds like states are doing some things differently, but what exactly are they trying? Yeah, so you see a, 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 a few different things going on, and um, you might be able to think about them in, in three different buckets. I think in, in the first bucket, we see different types of rates or different structures for rates. So these are things like adding fixed charges or demand charges to customer bills or moving customers with solar to time of use rates. In the second bucket, we see NEM alternatives, um, and they look kind of like a NEM tariff, but not quite because they use some rate other than, than retail. Uh, like Matt was describing. And so there's maybe a new methodology that calculates an avoided cost or could even be value of solar tariff is something that I think could fit in that second bucket. And then the third bucket, which is maybe cheating a little bit as a kind of a catch-all, but I think it's you know approaches that look, look totally different. Um, and, and I think buy-all, sell-all um, is one that might, might fit in that category. Uh, either way, without getting into the weeds on how each of those um, mechanisms work, I think the common thread really is that there's a clear shift away from, from net metering policies towards frameworks that try to use locational value concepts to better align what people are charged for electricity with the cost they create for the system and also what they are paid for producing or even avoiding um, electricity use with the benefits that they bring to the system. You know, and, and Kyle, if I could add something in, I, you know, I think all this work that's going on in the states that Megan just uh, gave a great overview on sort of sets up this fundamental question, which is what problem are you trying to solve ultimately by redesigning rates to align with locational value? And I, I, what I mean is, you know, as Megan was saying before, states agree that NEM was an effective strategy for boosting the solar market. And if your policy objective is to promote adoption of solar or other distributed generation, and that's a very worthy policy objective, then these kinds of volume-based, volumetric tariffs like net energy metering, where you're paid for each kilowatt hour that you produce, are, are a great tool because they're very easy for consumers to understand and they provide a pretty robust level of compensation, which stimulates adoption. 
I sense a but coming here at the end of your comments. There is a but, uh, exactly. You know, everything has a downside, and purely from the locational value viewpoint, the challenge you have with a volumetric tariff is that, by definition, you're creating an average, administratively determined figure, which you know, the experts that were interviewed in that utility dive article really so ably pointed out, it's, it's really hard to do that in a dynamic and fast-changing system. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why, for example, in New York, regulators had put in this mechanism in their NEM successor tariffs um, to, to recognize locational value um, right on the distribution system where you could avoid capacity. And then just recently, the staff there proposed eliminating that component that was that was meant to you know capture that value in specific high need areas of the distribution system and it, it seems like it's just hard to get it right with these kinds of tariffs and that really suggests that if what you're trying to do is express and compensate locational value tariffs just may not be the best way to do it especially volumetric tariffs no matter how much you tweak them to align better with locational value. So what would you say are the alternatives? Well, it gets back to that question of what problem are you trying to solve? Um, if the problem you're trying to solve uh, is how do you use locational value from a planning standpoint along the lines of that uh, distinction that Megan was drawing earlier, um, and that planning viewpoint of getting the right resources to meet grid needs at the right time and location, that's where we've seen more of this focus around non-wires alternatives. NWA are a, a good solution if you want to have a precisely tailored market that gets the right DER, right place, right time, and, and really critically operates under a set of contractual terms that from a planner's standpoint guarantee or at least incentivize performance. And that helps to give you the needed verifiable reliability that planners are looking for and the assurance that you're you're paying for performance. So why do we see so much continuing focus on reforming tariffs rather than just doing lots of non-wires alternatives? Well, we we're definitely seeing a lot more uh, non-wires alternatives than we were even two or three years ago, a lot more focus. Uh, on NWA around the states, but um, you know, as I said, everything has a downside. One thing that the article does a very good job of making clear, um, and we uh, have a similar perspective, we just covered this in a webinar uh, a few weeks ago that we did, is that it's still really early days for NWA. Um, there's a lot that's still being worked out uh, around the country through pilots about how to make NWA work. So it's not clear, for example, that there's quite as many suitable opportunities as might have been hoped. Um, and there's still a lot that's being figured out about those contractual terms, about procurement approaches, about the analytics that underlie identifying needs and the right portfolio of distributed energy resources to meet those needs. Um, and then in uh, deregulated markets, there's questions about dual participation rules for, for, for resources that could be providing services at both the distribution and wholesale level. So there's a whole bunch of areas when it comes to NWA that um, are being actively worked on, um, but we're not quite there yet.
Megan, I want to turn back to you. What do you think is the way forward for locational value? Is there a best approach or a more promising avenue? Uh, it, um, it's really hard to say. I, I'm afraid there there isn't one um, best approach, and I, I wouldn't really expect a single best way to tackle this to to emerge. Um, but uh, policymakers should definitely keep trying to address and use locational value um, in, in, in efforts going going forward. And I really do appreciate how hard it can be for stakeholders to, to spot the differences in, in all the, the sort of different uh, approaches that, that are being tried and pick a model that is most suitable for their priorities and, and their grid needs. And I think that's like that's one of the biggest issues. Um, Policymakers can come at this from all different directions, and I've seen that from from talking with people in, in different corners of our industry. I think some people see proliferation of DERs as causing problems on the grid, and others see DERs as providing a solution to what the grid needs. Some people see the loss of net metering as an attack on solar, and others look at it as a kind of fix to overcompensation for a particular resource. And all of those things could be true in a certain situation, um, but work on locational value, I feel like, is a, is a nice way to, to try to sort out um, the signal from the noise and end up in a place on the other side where you're, you're making more targeted grid investments that really optimize what your priorities are. I, I think that's really the key, and, and that's what Matt's been, been kind of driving at, is that you've got to take stock of your priorities and, and use that to inform what the best pro approach for you is going to be. The method that looks most appealing really depends on what you're most interested in optimizing for. So we hear, you know, states prioritizing greenhouse gas emissions reductions, or some are maybe prioritizing cost effectiveness. And I guess I, just just to finish, I think like like Matt was saying, those are valuable policy goals. But the most important question for for policymakers um, when when trying to tackle locational value is really what do you want to use it for? Okay, and. Matt, same question. Where do you see things going on locational value? You know, I think the, the, the tone, even the very title of that utility dive article that um, we started off with uh, as a launching point for this discussion really suggests that there's some skepticism and uh, some disappointment about where locational value is currently. And look, some of that is definitely warranted. Um, but I, I also think that another way to think about the story here is that states are currently acting as labs for locational value and actively trying to figure it out. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that kind of emerged in the course of Megan's review um, is that over the last few years, and since 2015, you've seen two-thirds of the states in the U.S., 37 states, have undertaken some form of study uh, whether it's adjusting from NEM to a NEM 2.0 or a value of solar tariff um, or extending that valuation to other DER. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing a lot more activity on non-wires alternatives. We're, we're seeing pilots in half the states in the U.S. now. Um, and then there's all this other work, time of use rates, leveraging AMI data from smart meters to, to understand consumption patterns and, and net load shapes. Um, to help design rates and incentives. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's a confluence of work um, around the best mechanisms, the best way to uh, leverage locational value 
um, how to work in demand side management resources. Um, and we're seeing that beginning to shape tariffs. We're seeing it shape non-wires alternatives. And we're even seeing it shape the next evolution of programs, energy efficiency programs, uh, in a way that can wring more value um, out of those kinds of programs. So I guess in sum, I, I see a little bit more of a positive view on where locational value is uh, and where it's going. Um, there's there's a lot of work underway. It's turning out to be a little bit harder to uh, get a handle on and reflect accurately uh, than might have been hoped a few years ago. Um, but I think the, the way is paved to see a lot of progress on, on all of those avenues, um, um, tariffs and programs um, and non-wires alternatives in the next few years. All right, great. I think that's a good note to end our discussion today. Thank you, Matt and Megan, for sharing with us the current state of the industry and our search for a locational value. Uh, thanks for everyone listening in. If you want to learn more or have comments on how utilities and states are approaching locational value, reach out and tag us at ICF Energy on Twitter or at ICF on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.